Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. Welcome everyone to another episode of Living Southern Oregon. And today I'm really looking forward to talking with Brandy Strom. Brandy works as a case manager and the Josephine County team lead with the Maslow Project. The Maslow Project here in Grants Pass, their goal is to empower homeless youth and families to engage and thrive independently in all aspects of life by providing support that stabilize and strengthen resiliency. Brandy is also on the leadership team of the Equity Project of Josephine County, functioning as the secretary. She was born in California and moved to Southern Oregon when she was three years old, moved around for a bit, and now has found herself back here in Southern Oregon. So welcome, Brandy. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Excellent. Well, tell me a little bit about your trajectory here. So you've moved around a bit, but you were born in California and moved to Southern Oregon when you were three. Which part of Southern Oregon did you move to? Grants Pass. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So grew up in Grants Pass and then did first and secondary schooling here, did a little bit of RCC and then moved out of town. I believe I was 19, moved to California, came back to Oregon, lived in Eugene, Portland, and now I'm back here. And I've been back for several years. I'd say maybe seven now, seven to 10 years. Haven't done the math yet. (laughs) I came back to be closer to family and friends and I'm working with the Maslow Project and the equity group. And yeah, as far as what the trajectory is, I think I'm pretty happy where I'm at right now. And I'm excited to see what the future will bring with making connections throughout Southern Oregon. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So you were gone for several years then. It was a good, how many years were you outside of Oregon before you came back? So I was in, I moved to LA for two years and then I lived in Eugene for two years and then I lived in Portland for three years. Okay. So you Mm -hmm. did the big city thing. Yeah, I did. And it was really fun. It is. Big cities are fun. Mm -hmm. This is true. But now back in Grants Pass, and so you're worth the Maslow Project. For those people who don't know what that project is about or aren't familiar with it, tell me a little bit about the project. Yeah, so Maslow Project is a nonprofit that began in Jackson, Jackson County, and they also now serve Josephine County. I think we've been in Josephine County for maybe seven to eight years, I want to say. That's a guesstimate. And we help youth and families that are experiencing houselessness or maybe at risk of losing housing or just learning to navigate housing who have just moved here because it is kind of a struggle right now mm-hmm. and in general. And we help with basic needs. So like food boxes, clothing for children, hygiene items for the family, anything that's school related. We're also advocates in the schools because students that are in temporary or transitional housing do have special educational rights in school by federal law. So that's pretty Mm. exciting too, to be able to advocate for those students. We'll also help them with like housing navigation or connecting them with healthcare. You know, we're a youth-based program. So I have some students on my caseload or youth that might be 
on their own, what we would call an unaccompanied youth. And Mm -hmm. so they don't have a whole lot of maybe healthy adults in their lives to help them navigate life skills or build those skills. So sometimes I'll even take them to doctor's appointments or when was the last time you saw a dentist or, you know, just kind of teaching those basic needs skills as well to help them accomplish their goals, maybe figure out what their goals are and problem solve whatever it is they might be experiencing. Wow. Yeah. And how many youth are in the program, do, would you say? Cause and how big of an issue is it in this area? I know houselessness is a huge issue mm-hmm. um, that we face in our area. And then it just has gotten so much worse, but, you know, mm-hmm. rents have gone skyrocketed and after the fires and whatnot. But I'm just curious how many are in the program? Or That's a it... great question. Um, I do not have any statistics in front of me. What I can think of off the top of my head is so we do work with the school districts. That's how we get a lot of our referrals okay. is, you know, we partner with them and work mm-hmm. inside the schools. So let's say students that have been identified that are currently identified in, let's say, District 7, I think, you know, the number that comes to mind was around like 300 maybe four. And that's at all, you know, mm-hmm. all ages, zero through our K through 12. And those are just the students that are identified, you know, with COVID and every, with COVID, it's been challenging to maintain communication, let alone establish communication mm-hmm. with students and families. So there are many more out there that could be identified or are lacking those services. And it's only growing with the housing deficit, lack of yeah. a, lack of available affordable, affordable housing. Yeah. And increased, let's say like family stressors and social dynamics that come along with just, I mean, coming out of COVID has been stressful for folks. Being in it was stressful for folks, which creates more intense family dynamics, like let's say there may be more domestic violence that's coming up or more fighting that's coming up or disagreements or arguments. And, you know, when you have young like students in the household or teenagers, that's only going to amplify the already stressful dynamic of, you know, parenting Mm -hmm. and having a relationship with a, with a youth. So that can sometimes look like students getting pushed out of the home or leaving the home because that communication isn't there or they weren't able to build those skills to have healthy communication within the family too. Yeah. So everything's kind of amplified a little bit right now. And I would say, especially in those teenage years, I would expect that, I mean, life is already amplified for a teenager to begin with, even in a totally healthy home environment. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine when that's not how difficult that is. And so the school systems are identifying, I'm guessing teachers probably notice or mm-hmm. hear, and, and so they are passing their information along or connecting you with those folks, with those students, so that you can then mm-hmm. reach out. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's exactly wonderful. right. Mm-hmm. So all staff and teachers in the school districts, both Three Rivers and District 7 for this area, um, you know, if they notice anything or have any questions or, you know, might be curious about a student or family and think they may need extra resources, they can refer to us and they do. And it's a pretty great system that we have because we can then reach out to the student and or family and ask them what kind of supports they need to be successful or, or maybe we can even help them identify 
things they didn't even know they needed. Or they were like, wow, I didn't even think of that being a resource or something that I could use to help bridge this gap to this other resource. You know, we're also kind of this web of connection for like community resources Mm -hmm. as well. And we also get referrals from community partners in the area, which is very helpful. So, yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like a a very needed thing right now. Mm -hmm. That must be hard. It must be hard work. (laughs) I I would think, you know, connecting with students when we're in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we all probably have soft spots for children in particular. And so knowing that, when kids are in a tough spot like that is a hard thing to watch mm-hmm. present too. So yeah, it is definitely challenging. I will say that the most challenging part is, you know, sometimes not having the resources to provide to the families or be able to give them what they need in that moment or answer that question right away. But we work so hard to find an answer or connect them with somebody who will have an answer, or you know, mm-hmm. build that foundation so that we can reach that goal with them. The most beautiful part of the work are the clients as well and their success. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have somebody look at you and be like, I couldn't have done this without you. Or, you know, I've had folks who have called and they, they talk to me for 45 minutes and they're, they're like, I'm so sorry. I just, I don't even know you. And I just, you just let me talk. And I was like, that's okay. And they were like, you just made my day just by doing that. We'll plan a time for me to get my basic needs met. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just being able to be that person for people is really re- rewarding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the biggest needs when when you're working with folks? What What do you see as some of the biggest needs mm-hmm. that are out there? I would say housing for sure is the biggest need, and having a you know a safe, stable nighttime environment for folks. That's really the biggest need, honestly. And so when that need can't be met, what we can do is help make sure the basic needs are met and then connect them with any, any other resources that could help them with that. Sometimes there are circumstances where, you know, I've had a family where they're like, I have the income, I have the savings, my house is being sold and I literally have nowhere to go because, you know, either their parent folks have passed away or... You know, they just, their friends moved out of town, like they don't have any other supports. And so there's that end of the spectrum as well. Or there's also the end of the spectrum where there's, you know, someone maybe fleeing domestic violence and they can, that was their only support, you know, mm-hmm. and whatever those dynamics were. Now they have nothing available to them and they have small children and nowhere to go. And it's not like they can just go find a place to rent. <laughs> you know, in this market. So I would say that's the largest need right now. And then for youth that are unaccompanied, I'd say their biggest need is to have some sort of supportive adult in their life that they can rely on and trust Mm. to be there for them and check in with them. Because in, in that and building that rapport, you can help like foster that relationship and provide all of those other needs. A lot of times we'll get teenagers who they'll be like, who are you? Why why do you want to help me so much? Maybe I'm not going to respond to you, but if you can build that relationship and then get those needs met, you know, and help them with their goals, then they won't be just doing it on their own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when you talk about an unaccompanied youth, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around that. That's a 
teenager, I'm assuming. Hopefully they're all teenagers that are unaccompanied. Mm-hmm. But living, are they living on their own somewhere or they're just, mm-hmm. would, yeah, what does that mean exactly? So the definition of unaccompanied youth is a youth, a child or youth that is not in the physical custody of a parent or guardian. So that can really be any age. I mean, technically, I mean, I've, we've had middle schoolers who have been unaccompanied, like let's say they leave the household and go live with friends. They're not in the physical custody of a parent or guardian at that time. So they're considered unaccompanied. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, we've had youth of various ages living literally on the street, live in parks, camping, living with others, living with family members. Sometimes that doesn't work out living in cars if they have them can look like a lot of different things. And so it's getting them in co- connection with other adults. And are, are there programs out there that provide that? Like, I, I don't know, Big Brother comes to mind, right? Those are the, <laughs> the ones that, you know, I mean, yeah. they come to mind the bigger ones. But are there other programs like that here in this area connecting mm-hmm. youth with adults? I would say the schools. Mentorship, I guess. Yeah, the mm-hmm. schools are really good at that. As far as like, like there's school counselors, there's teachers, there's different admin staff, you know, security staff, there's, there's various staff in the schools that can, you know, it could just, and it doesn't really matter their position or title. It's that they are building a relationship with that student or youth. And there's Maslow Project, of course. Mm-hmm. And then Project Youth Plus is another one. Mm-hmm. They're a very good program. They're also a nonprofit and I believe they're career and, um, college and career oriented program. And they also offer wraparound supports with, with youth. Um, nice. Yeah. And what would you say if somebody wanted to get involved and to support y'all? Because I'm guessing that <laughs> that is something that you could really use. And I'm thinking when I think holidays too, I think that's like a time when, yeah, you know, if, if you are someone who is houseless or, not in a good situation. Those are hard holidays mm-hmm. to be witnessing everyone around you engaging in family and engaging in those celebrations. Right. But um, yeah, what what are some of the needs of of your organization? So if if somebody wanted to participate or donate, you know, of course we take various donations. I'd say the most needed items are like warm clothes, socks, hats, gloves, different things that folks might need if they're camping or unsheltered. Sleeping bags, tents, things like that. There's usually a canned food drive that's donated to us at some point. I think we're okay on that at the time being. As far as holidays go, we do connect with various other organizations and families to them or call the organization say, hey, I have this family. Are you still open for offering a meal for Thanksgiving or a meal for Christmas? Or can you help them with gifts or whatnot? So... If we can't connect the family to the organization, we'll call the organization and ask them if they can connect with their family. And so if people wanted to donate items like that um, Mm -hmm. or do a drive, I mean, this is a time of year where people like doing that kind of thing and and, um, wondering if that's just organize it and then bring it on over to you or <laughs> so what they can do yeah, the how to get a hold of yeah. us that's a great <laughs> point right there so our main line for which we have a resource center in jackson county where it originated and that's our main our main little hub 
So I'll give that phone number, which is 541-608-6868. And that's like our, our main resource center. So if anybody wanted to ask about either services, Jackson or Josephine, that's, that's the number to call. And then if they want to focus on Josephine County or want more details, you can call myself, Brandy Strom. And my work number is 541-841-1974. Or you can send me an email if that's easier. And this is a pretty easy one. It's Brandy with a Y at MaslowProject.com. Easy Easy. to remember, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they would just contact either the the main resource center in Jackson, or they can contact me for the Josephine County area. And we can just kind of brainstorm on whatever it is somebody wants to offer. So I've had people be like, I want to help. Tell me how (laughs) they may not even know. So we can have that conversation. Excellent. Mm -hmm. I love that. Perfect. We'll put all those phone numbers and everything too, in the show notes and emails and all that so that people can refer back to it. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I also want to talk to you a little bit about the work you do with the equity project. Okay. How did you get involved with them and, and tell me more about what they do? Yeah. So it's pretty new. I'm pretty new to it as well. So I sit on the leadership team as the secretary. So I get to take all the notes Mm -hmm. because I have a decent typing speed and my uh, crew is pretty happy about that. So they don't have to do it. So I was recruited to be a part of the Josephine County Equity Project from Nicole Selinger, who also works with Project Youth Plus, and she's the founder of the Equity Project. Basically, our focus is to bring awareness around systemic inequities and build community and connectivity. And I would say right now, our focus is definitely around educating folks. Like example would be this month is the celebration of the American Native American Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. And we are partnering with Native Women's Share and Barnstormers this coming Saturday, the November 12th and doing a documentary viewing of a documentary called Rumble. About, Rumble. but it's it's around bringing awareness around you know Native American mm-hmm. history and whatnot in the music industry. Yeah, we're partnering and we're having a showing, and you know any community members can come, and Native Women's Share is are is going to be there to do um, to speak, and I believe some of the elders may be there as well, and so you know they're just going to bring light to some of the topics that they are wanting to talk about and educate folks mm-hmm. around, I know the Tequilma tribe here in Southern Oregon and what that's looking like right now. So excellent. So yeah. that's an organization that you're, that you said is somewhat new, mm-hmm. um, but it sounds like they're going to be doing a lot more. So we should be keeping an eye out. Do they have a website as well or a, or a a place to go. So we don't have a website at this time. We do have a Facebook page. It's called Equity Project of Josephine County. And you can just look that up through Facebook and you can like us there. And we do post all of our events there. You can also find the email address to get in touch with us on that page, which is jocoequityproject at gmail.com. If you have any questions, or, you know, if you want to contribute as well, because sometimes for these events, we do need volunteers and extra hands in. Perfect. Or if you have ideas, 
yeah. for events too. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. So it's really just, it sounds like a lot of education. And I think that's something that our area could definitely use. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great to see that it's out there and happening. Mm -hmm. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and okay. um, just talk a little bit about, you know, you've, you've had an opportunity of growing up here. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious kind of what that was like growing up in Grants Pass and then now coming back and how much has shifted or maybe not shifted or, yeah, what, that, that, especially going to big cities, you know, I think that that's mm -hmm. a whole different reality and world. <laughs> so. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, growing up here was great. I mean, I, I rode horses a lot and where we lived, it was kind of near the airport in Merlin for, for anybody mm. who might know where that is. It's all fenced off now, but it wasn't before. <laughs> so I could like ride horses from where I was living all the way into Merlin and ride all over the place and just be this young wild horseback rider and with friends. And that was super fun. Um, and I participated in sports and whatnot and amongst other things. We'll just keep it at that for now. <laughs> and then um, being back, I would say a lot has changed as far as like development of the land. Things are a little less accessible as, as far as like places we would visit to go hiking or whatnot. Yeah. In comparison to the big city, I'm, it's actually kind of nice because it's a little more tight knit of a community. And as I grow older and spend a little more time here, especially with the you know nonprofits I work with and making more connections. And there's a lot of people here right now who want to make positive change and network and collaborate. And I just love that. It like fires me up <laughs> to, yeah. you know, bring spirit to the whole community when we all want to support each other. I'd say some of my favorite places, that's a tough one. I really like going to Cathedral Hills to hike. Mm -hmm. I also can ride my horse there when it's not crazy busy. Um, I love that Southern Oregon is so close to the coast because it's, you know, a hop, skip, mm -hmm. and a jump, a drive yes. away. You could go do a day trip and come back if you really need to. The Redwoods are very close by. If you want to go to a bigger city, Portland is, I mean, it's like, what, three, four hours. I mean, that's a little bit of a commitment, but it's right there, right? Yeah. So you have a little bit of everything here. And yeah, I don't know if you want more specifics. As far <laughs> if as you like... have specifics, I know I always like to ask people if there's a small business or a business that you, you know, think of that you're like, oh, everybody should know about this place. But one of the things I think that you just, you uh, hit on that I have appreciated is this, the community and the, the networking and that connection, because you know, being in a big city, yes, that all can help happen. Mm -hmm. But I've heard repeatedly how many people once coming here, especially if they've come from a bigger, more urban area, is they've gotten to know their neighbors mm -hmm. where they didn't before. They lived, you know, somewhere where they maybe knew the person in the apartment next door, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, and here people tend to get to know neighbors and there's just a little bit more of that connection. So I think that's something that... Mm -hmm. you're not the only one that appreciates that about Yay. this area, which I think is very, you know, one of the best things about being here. Yeah. You're seeing a theme. There's a little bit of a theme. Exactly. <laughs> I am seeing a theme and it's, it's fun. It's fun to see those connections. And, and I think people can, when you're collaborating, you get so much more done than if you're just trying to do things on your own, which, mm -hmm. you know, so having 
more people around you that are excited to collaborate and want to collaborate and seeking that out mm-hmm. definitely yeah makes it an appealing spot yes yeah and so do you still you still ride horses i do not as frequently as i used to though i do still have a horse so she's just hanging out being a being a a chunk (laughs) eating as much as she wants right now in the pasture but you know come spring and summer those are better times for to go ride otherwise when it's raining out and really muddy. It's kind of challenging, depending on the trails you want to go on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? So, tell me about some of the trails around here. I do not ride, so it is not something that I'm super familiar with. So, for horseback um, riding, for trail riding, places that come to mind would be Cathedral Hills mm-hmm. again, and then there's Pacifica, which is out towards Williams, which mm-hmm. is also a venue, mm-hmm. and they have different events there as well. It's just a great spot to check out. I think if someone's visiting Southern Oregon or thinking about moving here. Fish Hatchery is another mm-hmm. spot where you, there's some horse trails there. There's also a good swimming hole there for like, let's say you want to go have a barbecue or something for a day. I think they have fire pits there. You take the family for swimming or something. Yeah. They have, and good. it's a very accessible for kids too. The swimming yeah. there. I know that the Water is very easy flowing. It yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not very swift. Yeah, I'd say those section. are. Yeah, those are probably the three main spots that we go. There's another place off Elk Lane. There's some more trails up that way. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with that area. It's a little more hilly. Yeah. A little more of an incline there for your animals. So if they're out of shape, maybe not the best spot to start. Yeah. <laughs> I just I know that this is a very popular area for horses. A lot of people, obviously, we have land and space, so mm-hmm. people do have horses. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for yeah. sharing all of that. And I want to encourage listeners to reach out to the Maslow Project and support in any way that you can. And because it really, I think, is a good project and our youth need it. So mm-hmm. thank you yeah. for sharing all that info. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back again next week. Till then, have a good one. Bye. <laughs> This podcast is produced by Simona Fino and co-produced by James Dedakis and Jaded Media. Original music by Samuel Lawrence.